Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The unpleasant noise you are about to hear coming from your radio is not a mistake. Please do not turn off your radio, but turn up the volume on your receiver as high as it can go so that you can make the sound we broadcast as loud as possible. Welcome to episode 26 of the Kaiju Cast. I'm uh, I'm losing little adjectives that I can throw into the description of the show. It's not monthly anymore. It's twice a month. It's not the only Godzilla podcast anymore. And with this episode, which is the second episode of the year and the um, Daikaiju discussion-centric one, we are actually talking about a movie with no giant monsters, just large animal things. Uh, anyway, how about... Um, how about this? The Kaiju Cast is a bi-monthly podcast, 100% dedicated to Godzilla and all of his rubber-suited foes. There, I did it right. The special guests tonight are all previous guests of the Kaiju Cast, and we're going to talk about a little slice of Toho insanity called Latitude Zero, uh, after which we will hear what you listeners out there have to say about the film before getting to the news and the local stuff, and uh, we also have some requests. So let's go ahead and play some of those. The first is for Bill, who requested something from John Barry's score of the 1976 King Kong.
Not a dry eye in the house, folks. Uh, that's how I remember, at least, watching the ending of Godzilla vs. Destroya, which that last song was from. Um, I think I was the only person in the house at the time, though, and uh, I don't know if it was bidding. I mean, tears weren't coming down, you know. It was just a little misty. It was a little misty after seeing Godzilla die like that. Uh, 
But then, you know, you get the goosebumps from seeing the the silhouette of Godzilla Jr. who has been resurrected and uh, turned into the next Godzilla. I digress. Uh, we started that off with Prelude by John Barry from the 1976 King Kong, which was a request for Bill. The second song was... I think it was the Super X Mobilizes, or just called Super X, from Return of the Godzilla. (laughs) Return of the Godzilla. Sorry. From Return of Godzilla, and uh, that is by Rejiro Kuroku, and that was for Derek. And Derek, if I didn't play the right song, just let me know. I I think that the one you requested is from one of the Perfect Box collections, and I um, don't have those. Uh, the, the third song in that group was Search in the Fog by Akira Fukube from Frankenstein Conquers the World. That was for Sean. And that last song, Requiem, was from Godzilla vs. Destroya by Akira Fukube as well from, um, <clears throat> from the Best of Godzilla 1985 to 1995 CD, but also from, of course, Destroya. And that was for Jonathan. But now, class, it is time for Daikaiju Discussions. Every month, the Kaiju cast will showcase one particular film from the giant monster landscape and task the listeners with submitting thoughts, questions, and reviews for the following episodes. Thanks to an online tool, I've randomly assigned one movie to each month, guaranteeing that this podcast will keep going and continue to be awesome for a long, long time. I will start off uh, by admitting that even though I've seen this film before, I know almost nothing about it. I don't seem to have any documentation on it in my books or magazines, at least in English. If you watch this film, you may be wondering why exactly it is on the list for Daikaiju discussions, since there are uh, no giant monsters anywhere to be seen, aside from a three times the normal size lion with wings, uh, some sort of griffin. Uh, But it's time for me to own up to the fact that the main reason this has been included is because the Black Shark and the Alpha Sub are both classic Toho mechas. And um, I just really wanted to share. I want people to uh, to know what those are from because, you know, you might see them every once in a while. Uh, this is just one of those mind-boggling films that I felt needed more exposure. Aside from the mecha, it features some fairly well-known actors from our hemisphere. Joseph Cotton, who is actually in Citizen Kane, plays McKinsey the captain of the Alpha Sub, Richard Jekyll, who is also in a lot of classic films in the 50s and 60s, like Sands of Iwo Jima, The Green Slime, which just came out on DVD, actually, and the original 310 to Yuma, amongst others. He plays photojournalist Perry Lawton. Cesar Romero, a.k.a. the Joker of the 1960s Batman show, plays the mad scientist Dr. Malik Patricia Medina, who is the, uh, she was in The Phantom of the Rue Morgue, the Zorro TV series and actually married to co-star Joseph Cotton plays Lucretia, the sort of love interest uh, of the mad scientist. And then Linda Hayes, who made her acting, acting debut in this film as well. Who could forget, however, that Akira Takarada and Masumi Odaka, who both speak English through the entire movie, uh, as well as that other guy, this, the doctor, Dr. Okata. That was a... Uh, that was another treat. Anyway, I asked August Ragoni if he had any knowledge he could drop on me because I didn't uh, want to sound like a total buffoon. He suggested that I watch the audio commentary, which I I might do. I don't know if I want to watch that again anytime soon. But uh, since I just got the official DVD in the mail, I haven't had to. Uh, I haven't had time to do that. Uh, but August told me that Ted Sherdman, who created the original story, also wrote the screenplay for them in 1954. The U.S. producer, Don Sharp, is not to be confused with the Aussie director of the same name who worked for Hammer Productions. Uh, it was filmed in English. The English-speaking version is longer than the Japanese-dubbed version. When the budget was cut during production, they had to make all of the monster suits beside the Batman, which were first made, as cheaply as possible, uh, which explains the poor appearance compared to the fantastic model work. Again, all constructed and completed before the budget was slashed. So thanks to August for that info, because knowing that, let's talk to the troopers here who sat with me and uh, watched this amazing piece of cinematic history. We've got Cindy is back, and uh, Dave, Baron Von Gulu, Martin, who uh, hopefully is live-tweeting the terribleness of Latitude Zero, and, uh, and Jeff Dean, who's actually got the microphone right now. Jeff, had you ever seen Latitude Zero before? 
I had not. Were you aware of its existence? I had heard of the film, but I did not know it was quite, you know, as special. It is a special. <laughs> um, and so now, how do you feel now that you've watched it? Do you feel like it was worth the uh, hour and a half? It was. You know, what? I found the film to be highly enjoyable. I mean, it's extremely campy, but I thought the costume design was just great. And uh, Cesar I, Romero, I'd say uh, the costume just, design just chewing was up fabulous. scenery. Yeah, Cesar Romero is just, you know, chewing up scenery. He was fantastic. Um, it was fun to see glossy-eyed Joseph Cotton. He probably had a few drinks, I'm sure, before every take. Couple of, <laughs> a couple of the uh, American actors looked like they needed a little assist. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, th- I thought it was very, very enjoyable. It Maybe the Japanese version would have been a little bit better because it does seem kind of like the last half hour, like, when is this going to end? <laughs> yeah, I don't know how much longer it really is or, or isn't. Maybe it says on the DVD there. But uh, did you want to stick around and watch the Japanese version next? But let's do it. All right. And then let's watch the audio. Then let's watch the, <laughs> audio, watch the commentary audio commentary yes. for both versions. Right on. So Excellent. we'll be out of here about 4 o'clock in the morning. Right? Sounds good. So, Martin, uh, you, you're next on, in, the, in the hit list. Uh, th- now, this is actually, this is the first time you've, you've, been over here to watch a Toho movie that is not kaiju centric, right? This is, yes. Okay, so I'm going to just uh say sorry because <laughs> some of the other ones are really good. Like Atragon is a fantastic film and uh, Matango, which we were talking about earlier, that's another fantastic film too. So uh don't, you know, don't not come to any of those others. I I have to agree with Jeff. Um yeah, this movie was terrible, but it was terrible enough to really enjoy. This, I mean, it definitely deserves to be stabbed by a skewer and put over the barbecuer and just enjoy it twisting and turning over the flames. That It was a good time. I was thoroughly enjoying myself. No, I had a great time. I think it really makes a difference when you can watch it with a bunch of friends that, you know, and joke around about the movie as opposed to taking it dead serious all the time. And I was afraid to in the beginning. I was I was glad as as the the pokes came out at it. <laughs> nobody went, "Shh. Stop it." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they they got yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. yeah, things got to moving a lot better once that happened. So, yeah, that was uh that was a thir- thoroughly terribly enjoyable awful movie. So, the do you, do you understand like why I wanted to sort of include it in the Daikaiju discussions? Uh yeah, there there are the suits that are in there which we finally got yes. to the rubber suited creatures in there and then there is the uh I I guess that this was an attempt to compete against Atragon or to have another Atragon type uh, well, of to- Toho has a lot of different mechas out there which mm-hmm. is why you have the the uh major cannons and the you know the Atom Ray or the atomic heat rays, excuse me, and uh, the Atragon and the Moonlight SY3 and et cetera, et cetera. Um, but it's, yeah, that's pretty much why I want, I mean, aside from, it's just, in my opinion, it's something that Godzilla fans should see so they know maybe both ends of the spectrum. <laughs> and like, you know, the... They, they get to see the glory that is Latitude Zero. Because it's, I mean, aside from it being a ridiculous film, which it is, and I understand that, but uh, it's it also, uh, it's I find it odd because it seems like it should have been such a big production and it obviously just didn't go anywhere. So had you seen this at all? You didn't see this, right, before you came here? Um, no, no, I had, I had, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, no, I had not this, this, I saw the trailer, uh, on YouTube or something like that. And, um, uh, the trailer made it look kind of good. So good job trailer. That's a trailer. You worked job. hard. That is yeah, a trailer. Yeah, that, job no, that right trailer, that trailer. I, um, I, I, I can't be. I can't. I, I don't think I can. I don't think I can be quite as generous as Jeff and Martin were, in uh, in in my praise for Latitude Zero. I don't think it's even. 
if if we were even to just like parse down the micro genre of a super submarine with uh, aquatic super secret society right, right. Uh, movies. It's not even my favorite of the you know of those. I mean, it's, it's well. Does uh, it come in second? The it it <laughs> might. You know, it's something I. It's, Maybe you know I don't know if you if you, if you include twenty thousand leagues oh, under right, the sea right. then it's already been bumped a third so gotcha. it's um, oh, that makes sense it's yeah it's 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 a tough sell however there is um, I am I am excited that I finally got to see the Bat People because there there was uh, there's this kaiju encyclopedia online somewhere yes. and i was like yeah and i was like looking it up and i'm like i'm just like scrolling down and i'm saying oh what's that one and that one and there's like bat people what is that and it's, it's a little little write up on the bat people it says movie latitude 0 i'm like i must see this movie someday so that i may enjoy the bat people and um, yeah i had the i had a book and actually in that book it had uh, black and white pictures of the the bat people and the winged lion it was kind of like a yeah it's, like, it's in japanese yeah so i had no idea what it was from but i yeah. just knew that i hadn't seen it before right right no but you know i but uh, it's kind of like oh you know bad people i mean it, it really looked like the bad people to me looked like they should have been fighting ultraman in like 1962 you know or something you know they're they, pretty bad they're pretty yeah they were like right you know they were they were like right in there but um, I found it odd that August said that the Bat People suits were good, because I just I, I think, think we I think, could have made those. I think no, I think I th- I think the the Bat People suits were good compared to everything else that was around them. Mm, yes, I think yes. that is uh, closer. You know, they, this yeah, this that this may have whole, been the worst Condor I've ever seen in a movie. That was ever. a pretty bad Condor. Yeah, that was that was that was that was. Yeah, you know, I got. I'm. Um, I think it. I'm speechless. <laughs> I don't even know where to go with this. You know, it's 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 like it's 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 like making fun of a traffic accident. It's just I just I just don't know. I just you know, it's like I can't look away, but it's like I just don't know what to say. It's kind of like, it, it. Yeah, yeah. It's already. There's not. There, I can't. It's such. It's so bizarre, especially like the you know uh, Jeff and Martin were mentioning the costumes and and everything, which was like it was which was like Liberace's closet threw up. I mean, it was just like it was just <laughs> that that opening scene where Joseph Cotton has got his chest opened down to the navel with the chains going across, and then the little green satin uh, neckerchief is just like. It's a bold statement. What? Bold yeah, statement. you know, it's like wow. I yeah, I just I I did not know. I like how he says. Yeah, some people in Latitude Zero prefer to dress the way they they were dressed when they when they came to Latitude Zero. But he should have followed that up with, "I just don't." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I got. I, got, I yeah, marched I got, to the beat got, of my own drum. I got nothing. I yeah. got you know, just like the, all those the, all that gold lame. A lot yeah, of gold. I, now, Cindy, that's a lot of gold. You said that uh, that that stuff is really hard to work with as far as costuming goes. So you you at least it's gave some very, kudos to the costume difficult. makers. It's it's extremely difficult to sell. And so so those uh, bikini briefs, those would not be easy. No, and I don't think they'd be comfortable either. That's in addition to being hard to sew. Uh, that type of gold lame doesn't breathe either. <laughs> So it's very oh. hot and uncomfortable on top of everything else. Those uh, those costumes are amazing, amazingly bad. I particularly, uh, um, I know one of the one of the fans, one of the listeners mentioned that he couldn't believe he had to sit through uh, through uh, Cesar Romero's thigh high b- <laughs> boots. But Cesar Romero's costume changes were fantastic. Yes, his costumes were great. Okay, come on. Only Cesar Romero could have pulled off the thigh-high boot look in this film. I do love Cesar Romero in this film. I mean, he really does play that I'm freaking insane mad scientist. I felt a little scared for the people around him. But, yeah. Anything else? Maybe positive stuff you got to say about Maybe snarky stuff. We'll take snarky. <laughs> I I 
intentionally refrained from looking up anything about this film before tonight because I thought, okay, I don't want to be, you know, jaded by anything anybody's written or anybody's reviews. I want to come in here cold. Yeah, it's very campy. It was fun, but about halfway through, I'm looking at this going, it is. It's kind of like a train wreck. Yeah. You can't stop watching it, but it is a good thing to watch with other people if you can make fun of it. It is an MSD3K kind of film. Yeah, I actually thought about that as we were... I was like, man, we're saying a lot of... Giving a lot of jabs out with this film. This might be one of the ones that... Uh, Years down the road, maybe we come back, revisit as a riff tracks kind of thing for fun, <laughs> just for fun. Uh, you know, maybe riff tracks. I I am actually interested in what the commentary says because uh, I don't know how you could fill an entire movie with just informative information. It, fill this entire movie with just informative information. Um, so I guess the question I would have would be to anyone here. Uh, uh, is there anything that could have made this movie uh, a better film? Is this something, I mean, normally we talk about like, what didn't you like? What did you like? This whole thing was just so bizarre uh, and so mind boggling that I don't, I could not pinpoint one certain thing or even maybe three certain things that would make this a better film. For me, if they would have had a lot more bat like monsters, <laughs> like Cesar Romero you know, is more Dr. Moreau-ish and, you know, he's, he created all these different kinds of, you know, ridiculous oh, okay, half-human. Yeah. That would have been, like, really, really cool. Because that, that, that was, like, one of the, I mean, really the funniest part in the film was when, you know, everyone's fighting the bat creatures in that room and you can see the bat creatures with the wires. Right, right. <laughs> that was just awesome. But, uh, you know, other than that... <laughs> More that monsters. Wasn't the more monsters would have. More monsters would have been. Yeah, fantastic. a giant monster here and there. Yeah, yeah, or any any kind of creation that you know. I would have liked to see the lion actually do something. And that poor con- condor just left wingless on the, uh, <laughs> with no anesthesia, nothing. Did he walk out? <laughs> I did not see him walk out of the room. I, I know when Caesar Romero was operating on him, he was you know as the poor condor's mouth was. <laughs> you know, <laughs> gasping for no, air. The, yeah, no <laughs> anesthetic for the animals. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. Uh, anybody have anything they want to bring up about this film? Uh, actually, how about this? We'll talk about uh, we'll talk about Joseph Cotton for a minute. So Joseph Cotton, as uh, I said earlier, was in Citizen Kane way back when. And uh, after this film, you guys said that he was in Dr. Phoebe's. Dr. Phoebe's. Fibes, Phoebes. Hey, guess what? I've never seen Doctor Fibes. Doctor Phoebes. <laughs> Blasphemy. Haven't seen um, it. He's in Baron Blood. Okay. And um, he's in Lady Frankenstein, which is a seventies. It's it, you know it's kind of equivalent to Latitude Zero, but um, okay. but uh, and those, and those yeah. all took place after after Latitude. Yeah, those are early seventies films. I see. Um, yeah. Was he ever? I know he was in some Western stuff as well, but uh, with is is he? I mean, is he a prolific? Do you guys consider him a prolific horror actor at all? I don't think he was prolific. I think he kind of got regulated to that kind of material late in his career. Yeah. Stuff like Latitude Zero, you know, to pay the bills. <laughs> well, yeah, Latitude Zero. He seemed. I mean, not. I don't want to be, you know, the pot calling the kettle black but he seemed kind of old for latitude zero uh yeah doesn't didn't really seem he kind of seemed like he was what do we say driving miss daisy with the, <laughs> the steering yeah, i think martin had, martin had mentioned that <laughs> kind of he kind of seemed like a little old lady behind the wheel a of a tiny giant little Buick. steering wheel tiny little stainless steel yeah. steering wheel for this gigantic submarine i just kind of wonder what caesar romero was thinking as he's operating on this you know Puppet of a lion's <laughs> brain. <laughs> oh, I wonder, was somebody in the suit while he was still operating? Or was I, it just I don't a know. big giant oh plush animal? Oh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. But uh I I I really do I mean, you know, all these movies I find there's something I can appreciate in all of them and this story while ridiculous and I'll I'll bring up something in a minute about the ending, but uh, I 
I don't have a problem with the actual story of, you know, the guys getting uh, not kidnapped, but saved by the underwater civilization. And then the, the bad guy, I mean, who's villainous as hell, uh, trying to um, trying to basically get the good guy. I mean, that's kind of what it boils down to. It's an allegory, really. Uh, the ending, though, I don't think I remember the ending being that way. I don't know if I saw a different version or if I just cashed out before the end of the movie the first time I saw it or the second time I saw it, but I really don't remember the whole um, uh, Wizard of Oz ending with... Uh, and you were there, and you, you were, were there, there, and you were there. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I enjoy this film. because Maybe I'm you saw the uh, Japanese version. Maybe the ending is different. I mean, well, we'll find out in a few minutes. We will, right? won't we? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyone else have anything? Yeah, Martin, what's... Uh, what's so what's I like? will give them credit, um, right. which you were, you were asking about if you had looked up Joseph Campbell, or Joseph Campbell... Uh, <laughs> Cotton, Joseph Cotton. Joseph Cotton, yeah, not the author of Mystic Stuff. But uh, no, he so he was in 131 movies and television episodes. So he did quite a bit before he passed away in 94. He did a lot of TV. Um, and a lot of the TV stuff he did was actually little twists on the whole Wizard of Oz thing. There are actually episodes named after Wizard of Oz. There is a, a Off to See the Wizard of Oz TV show that lasted a season. Um that's just kind of weird, I think. Who knew? <clears throat> yeah. IMDb knew. Uh, IMDb was all over it. Thank you, Amazon, for having that connection. Um, you know what? I was going to... I will give them full credit for this. You were saying there was an American studio that was part of this, and they pulled out. I don't, Toho I don't have any notes about that. I don't know if they pulled out or the budget just got cut or, or what have you. Maybe we'll find out because uh, I know... Uh, I don't... and. For those who are listening, I don't actually read the comments before I watch the movie. I like to go into the movie completely fresh, even though, you know, some of these I've seen like upwards of 12, 15 times. Um, but this one, I glanced at some of the comments. But Bob Johnson from uh, SciFiJapan.com, he he made uh, his first submission this time, which we'll hear in a little bit. But uh, I don't know for sure about the about the studio and the budgets and why they were slashed, except maybe they got wind of how it was turning out and they said, <laughs> "Well, whoa, 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 we got to put the kibosh on this." I think that's all it really was. Saw the dailies. <laughs> well, the the reason I say that is because full props for Mr. Honda for going forward and completing this thing because <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I got to say, it was just like, it really is a campy train wreck of a mess. And that guy saw it all the way through that flaming hoop of terribleness. Yeah. I'm, you know, good job. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, I, I do. Uh, I, I think I like Utopia, undersea Utopia movies. Like, uh, it, you know, stuff to do with Atlantis and clearly Atragon. Big fan. Um, I, I really liked how everybody was laughing at Latitude Zero. Like, everything was so so jolly. <laughs> everything. <laughs> well, you know what? That much trampoline action at 15 miles under the surface of the ocean. You, yeah, you, you get a little giggly. <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that like a... Is, does that sort of alter your your senses when you when you are that low below seawater and you're on a trampoline it's well yeah Mr. science guy the science behind that would be that the gold is leaching into their blood and probably <laughs> <laughs> from their little gold suits and the immunity bath you guys <laughs> why don't we have an immunity bath i think they do on survivor see who can last the longest <laughs> is that a tv show uh right. yeah uh the immunity hot tub the that immunity was, that hot was tub. pretty good and it were and it came in handy too as well as i'm glad that uh uh that the mystical city there at latitude zero has their cue from james bond hey guys let's inst institute this piece of equipment that we had installed just before we left on this mission right <laughs> we haven't had time to test it 007 the one thing that we needed in this episode just happened to be installed at the beginning <laughs> thank goodness we can fly uh yeah flying subs i think there are at least three toho films 
if because there's this one and then Atragon and then War in Space, right? Doesn't War in Space have a is that this flying is, sub? Is is that the Sonny Chiba movie? What's Uh-oh. the what's the Toho movie that's Sonny Chiba and it's like I want to say Battleground Earth, but that doesn't sound right to me. I don't know about that. Yeah, I think. Uh, what was that horrible John Travolta movie called? I think I'm. That's mi- Battlefield Earth. That's Battlefield Earth. I think I'm miss. I think I'm mi- mixing up names in my head. Well, I know War All in the horrible space. Movies are there's Battle in Outer Space, which does not Maybe have that. a flying sub. Does that have Sunny Chiba in it though? Um, I don't think so. Okay, I'm not because a Sunny Chiba seen, expert. Okay, August I've seen, Ragoni I've seen is, that Sunny Chiba movie, and this makes that look like 2001. I mean, that was, I mean, that, this, you know, it's like a moment ago when you were asking, when you're asking Jeff, it's like what, you know, what he would do to like, to make Latitude Zero better. It's like, I think, you know, if like, if like, if like the monster had been bigger and then there was another really big monster fighting it and the movie was only about those two monsters that would have been awesome. It was in awesome. like a city. That would have been awesome. <laughs> and then like, you know, instead yeah, instead of underwater it was in Tokyo and instead of the island blowing up it was all the buildings blowing up. That would have been awesome. Oh, so island blowing up, underground volcano. I will I will that say was that, pretty uh, great. So the way they filmed that, for anyone who hasn't seen the Godzilla documentary called Bringing Godzilla Down to Size, is they they uh, they made a backdrop that looked like clouds, and they turned a camera upside down and put it on the outside of a like a giant fish tank. And then they dropped in uh, different colors of paint, which sort of made it look like, when it's upside down, makes it look like plumes of smoke and... Uh, I was very happy to see that because they rep they reproduced Best that. In the movie, hands they down. reproduced that in in this documentary. It was pretty cool to see. And if uh, you guys haven't seen it, I highly suggest watching "Bringing Godzilla Down to Size," which is um, actually a special feature on the Rodan slash War of the Gargantuas double DVD set from Classic Media. Ooh, thank you. That's that's <laughs> that's a plug I might plug into. That sounds that sounds like a good idea. Yeah, it's it's like a one thing about monsters. Nobody said anything about the giant rats. Oh, we did not talk about the giant rats. Uh, yeah. They did set a man with a rat suit on fire for this movie. No, no, then that was that rat like fell on the ground. <laughs> he basically just died. Is the other rats that said, "Hey, we're gonna go through the acid." An acid bath. Yeah, so giant rats, giant man-sized rats, giant man-sized bats, a small man-sized lion, terrible condor, uh, mad scientist joker man, uh, crazy cool mechas. I really love the way they look. Underground cities. Above ground uh, villain hideouts that are massive, and uh, you know, Caucasian people. There you have it. Latitude zero. <laughs> uh, anybody have anything else to add? No. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, I'm gonna go. Let's find out what everyone else had to say about this this film. All right. Well, Robert Wright Stasco wrote in to say that Latitude Zero is an interesting film. It obviously derives its inspiration for 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, but Honda brings his own ideas to the story, like the spirit of international cooperation and a pollution-free utopia. Hearing some of my favorite Japanese actors speaking English in their own voice is certainly a treat. While the middle act is a bit slow, the action-packed third act does not disappoint. The model work in this film makes me want to uh, recant what I said last month, there are some very convincing blue screen and model effects. Finally, seeing Cesar Romero gleefully sawing away at brain surgery was quite disturbing. This movie is an underrated classic. Sean Darnell wrote in to say that Latitude Zero is a bit strange, not like Toho's usual non-Godzilla sci-fi films. The few times he has seen it, it almost seemed like a feature-length episode of the 1960s Batman TV series. And not entirely because Caesar the Joker Romero plays the villain. 
if uh, he had to sum up this movie in a few simple words, he would say, Latitude Zero on DVD, 1995, Akira Takarada speaking English, priceless. Bill Bossert wrote in to say that uh, he likes to think of this film as Jules Verne versus The Wizard of Oz. Of course, you have the submarines, underwater city, and Captain Nemo-like hero in Joseph Cotton, and then you have those uh, unbelievable flying monkey men. Uh, there was a, there were a couple positives in this whole mess. Uh, he doesn't know how he did it, but Joseph Cotton maintained his dignity throughout. Hard to do while wearing a solid gold jumpsuit with a hood. Uh, and the volcano special effects in the beginning were really cool. And, of course, the blonde doctor with the miniskirt and the go-go boots, females in gold bikinis, are awesome. Uh, he then goes on to say that the bad parts, man and gold bikini, not so awesome. The dry-for-wet submarine sequences complete with visible wires, the not-very-convincing giant rats, the incredibly flat acting of the blonde doctor who talked like this, Cesar Romero and his cape thigh, uh, and thigh-high boots. <laughs> when he says the music kind of reminded him of something out of a uh, silent movie with a mustache-twirling villain. He says he could forgive a lot of this movie uh, if it were either action-packed or funny. It was neither. And it's hard to imagine the trio of Honda, Subaraya, and Ifukube making such a turkey. But they did. And what about Joseph Cotton? He started his career with Citizen Kane, considered to be by uh, most one of the best movies of all time, and ended with Latitude Zero. Quite the uh, career trajectory. And as we determined, uh, that wasn't his last movie. I mean, he went on to make other films, classics like Dr. Fibes. I think I said it right that time. And uh, finally, Bob Johnson from Sci-Fi Japan wrote in. For his first time, everybody give Bob a big round of applause. Yay! Uh, Bob said that the thing that always amazed him most about Latitude Zero is that although it's a Toho film, it was filmed entirely in English, not just the American actors, uh, but also the Japanese ones. Akira Takarada and Masumi Odaka, who played, uh, oh, excuse me, Masumi Okada, who also played Miko's father in Space Giants, both spoke English, but I don't believe Susumu Kurobe, who played Hayata from Ultraman, could. So he and some of the other Japanese actors spoke their lines phonetically to varying degrees of success, but all are actually speaking English with their own voices and none are dubbed. Cesar Romero also mentioned once in an interview that, uh, that the movie, which was a co-production between Japan and the U.S., ceased production at one point when the U.S. backer pulled out. Toho ended up footing the bill for the rest of the filming and all the actors got paid, but it was touch and go for a while. Although the creature effects leave much to be desired, the mechanical effects featuring the Alpha and the Black Shark are excellent and thrilling. Some of Toho's best for the era. I think I've heard just about enough about Latitude Zero for today, folks. I'm sure you have. So uh, thank you to everyone who wrote in. I really, really appreciate it, as always. Let's go ahead and turn to Eric Carter in the KaijuCast Newsroom. United Nations reporter Eric Carter with the news. The world is stunned to discover that prehistoric creatures exist in the 20th century. The armies have been alerted as we wait for more news from Japan. All right. Not a lot of news this time around, but some interesting tidbits of information. Uh, Shout Factory will be releasing their last double DVD set of the Showa Gamera series this March with Gamera vs. Zegra and Gamera Super Monster. The DVD will feature newly restored anamorphic widescreen transfers, both Japanese and English audio tracks, and a publicity gallery. Uh, do note that this is the first time the Gamera Super Monster has been released with any kind of dignity in the States. Not to say that it's a, that it's a shining example of a kaiju film, but, uh, um, you know, Gamera vs. Zeger is pretty cool. It's a pretty good, good film. Anyway, I'll have the link to the show notes to the Sci-Fi Japan article about that. Uh, next up, we have some rumor squashing. All right, so this guy, I'm probably going to butcher his name, but I think it's Fiore Mastraki, Mastrachi, maybe? Uh, he started a rumor about Toho releasing a uh, Godzilla film in 2012. That rumor needed to be squashed, so Keith Aiken of Sci-Fi Japan first set out a series of counterpoints on the Kaiju File forums to debunk the rumor he then actually contacted Shozo Watanabe at Toho LA, who replied, Toho does not have a plan to produce or release its own Godzilla movie at present. 
Nuff said. In a piece of more interesting news, it seems that there is a new screenwriter attached to the Legendary Pictures film. The Coventry Telegraph contacted Gareth Edwards on the 12th about uh, about the film and being chosen as the director. And Gareth's reply was, At the moment, I am concentrating on a few ideas, including working on a script with Timur Bekmambetov. While I was uh, pretty openly railing against Dave Callahan's produced works, uh, Bekmambetov, <laughs> that name, has written some great stuff, Nightwatch and Daywatch to be exact. And if you have not seen those, they're really cool films. Plus, he worked on um, Wanted, and which I know that hasn't didn't get the best response from fans. I uh, I really enjoyed that film. I should watch it again, but uh, I, it was I thought it was good. And uh, just because I think it's hilarious, he is apparently directing the 2012 Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter film. That uh, wraps up the news segment. But I did want to say that uh, there's a there's this comic book convention that happens every year in Seattle, Washington, and I've been going to the show um, for years. I think since 2007. I, I missed one year, but a really great comic book convention called Emerald City Comic Con. And this time around, I'm going to be going as a member of the press. I got my press pass. I'm really super excited, uh, and I'd like to quote their press release here. Over the past eight years, the ECCC has grown by more than 20% each year to become the largest comic book and pop culture convention in the Northwest. 2011 promises to be bigger and better than ever with a knockout list of celebrity heavyweights including William Shatner, John Noble, Bruce Bachleitner, I said that wrong, Bruce Boxleitner, James Marsters, Jonathan Frex, and Brent Spiner, Felicia Day, Amy Okuda, Jessica Nicole, Nicholas Brendan, Sean Patrick Flannery, and Norman Reedus. Now, I'm going to be bringing my audio equipment, uh, and I'm going to be hopefully speaking with a number of guests and attendees. Specifically, I'm hoping to sit down with Jeff Darrow, who will be working on IDW's miniseries, and uh, maybe some other people. However, if you are going to the show, or if you're just in the Seattle area, I would love to get together with some of you uh, out there. Any, any listeners, any Godzilla fans, I wouldn't really call it like a listener party, but it would be a great way for a small number of Godzilla lovers to get together for like an hour or so and talk about the big G. So join me you know, in Seattle Saturday night if you want to go get some food or drink. Um, it'll be after the show closes for the day, but before the masquerade. If you're interested, just send me an email to controller at kaijucast.com and we'll start a little email discussion about where to go and what time. Uh, if you need a bonus there, I can bring stickers for everybody. Moving on, it's uh, it looks like the top non-Ifukube composer poll has closed and with 32% of the votes, Ko Otani, the composer of GMK and the 90s Gamera films, is the winner of sorts. I don't know, maybe I should just say highest voted? Uh, no, no, actually, hang on. If if Koatani contacts me, I will be happy to send you a prize. So uh, I'll be posting another poll in a few days, so keep an eye out for that. Basically, I would like to know, this is what the poll is going to be about, I want to know how you listen to the KaijuCast. Do you download it to your iPod, your Zune? Do you listen in the embedded player on KaijuCast.com, etc., etc.? Now, if you wanted to email that information to me as well, that'd be cool. I'm, I'm just sort of like trying to pull the, the, the listenership out there to see what works for you guys. All right. Well, next month's guest interview uh, is not 100% nailed down. It might be another one of my non-slash-casual fan interviews. Um, if so, my friends Heather and or Justin will most likely be under the microscope. I think Justin will have only seen two Godzilla films by the recording time. I also might have a quick phone interview as well, but uh, I don't want to jinx anything. So I'm just going to leave that where it is and see where the cards fall. And that is going to wrap things up for this month. So if you found the KaijuCast through iTunes or some other podcast directory and you want to check out the blog slash website where you can, oh, I don't know, vote in the polls, see the full list of films for the Daikaiju discussion, uh, the tracks that were played in this and every other episode, download any other episode, uh, you know, just point your web browser to kaijucast.com and let the awesome flow through you. 
The Kaiju Cast is on Facebook and Twitter. Quite a bit of links and tidbits of information are shared uh, in between shows, especially on Facebook. So if you like the show, become a fan slash, you know, follow the Kaiju Cast. As always, I do love hearing from anyone and want to thank you all for writing in and uh, please continue to do so. If you want to send me a message, just email controller at kaijucast.com. Your feedback is important. Please don't forget that February's Daikaiju discussion is going to be about the 1975 terror of Mechagodzilla. So you have just about a month to watch it and write down your questions, thoughts, reviews, etc. We're going to go ahead and close things out for the show this month. I will be back in February with another two episodes. So to tide you over till then, here's a couple of additional songs. Starting with King Ghidra's Monster Zero from his album Take Me to Your Leader. We'll see you next month. Jamata. Monster Zero. Command all units to take defensive position. Yes, sir. What is Monster Zero? Monster Zero is the reason we cannot live on the surface, but must forever live underground like this. All right. I will show you Monster Zero. Hey, look. It's King Gitter. Yes, indeed. On Earth, you gave this terrifying monster the name of Gitter. Everything is numbered here. The monster is zero. Pay heed to my warning. The entire human race will perish from the Earth. Where the monster Ghidra passes, only flaming ruins are left. Ghidra, of course, that's why she had the pistol. What pistol? When I first met her, she was carrying a pistol in her purse. I asked her about it and she explained to me. And I believed her. So now you're convinced that we're from outer space. That's right. What do you have on your mind? Peace terms. Peace terms? A nice idea. Would be a bad situation if that creature came here to Earth. It's worse. He's arrived. How can that possibly be? And why? What is it? Is it alive? Thank you.